the CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and I am joined today virtually by Jay Carlson, but in person, of course, by Alexi Bulwark. Alexi, how's it going? Calvin, pretty good, pretty good. Just, uh bummed from uh, the other day. Yeah, you said bummed. pretty good. I got to be honest. Yeah, I'm no, not doing great. I, I'm, I'm actually know, not I'm good. not doing great. I, I lied. <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing great. Um, <laughs> I lied. I lied. <laughs> information that's been revealed to me in the last hour has not made me sure that I'm not feeling great either. Jake, how are you doing though? Maybe Jake's doing good. Uh, how, how are you doing? Same thing. Same thing? <laughs> same thing? Yeah, fair. <laughs> Just let out kind of like a big like Big sigh there. Yeah, it was a yeah. uh, big sigh of disgruntledness. Is that a word? Yeah, I don't know. We're, if that's we're a word, saying but... that's a word. Anything's a word that we want it to be today, because, of course, as an Oklahoma State fan, except uh, money, except money. Well, as an Oklahoma State fan, you know where I'm going with this. Um, we saw, saw the Big 12 championship. Um, two of us in person, one on TV. Um, shout out to two weeks in a row of us having one person um, watch on TV and two people in person. So shout out to props for last week for joining basically is my point. But, um, you know, back to back weeks recording a podcast in Oklahoma City. Usually I would say a lot of fun. You know, we're doing great, whatever, all this type of stuff. Instead, I got to say, um, last week's podcast. Great. We were excited. There was hope. Um, the future was bright. This week's podcast it's not all doom and gloom. We're still a good football team, etc. But Jim Knowles is out, and we lost the championship to Baylor in annoying fashion, to say the least. Right? You say annoying fashion? Yeah, that was that was brutal. It was just the whole thing was just brutal. Everything that's happened these last couple of days. I mean, it just feels like every every day something bad is happening, and like just a total letdown. Yeah, if any um, if any OU fan wants to take a peek inside of OSU fans fandom for a second here, which I'm sure everyone's just dying to do, I'll say it this way: it's like having one great week and then the rest of the weeks being rough. As an OU fan, I think it's the opposite: it's having a lot of great weeks and then one week being rough. Oh, we lost to K State this week. Dang it, doom and gloom. Everything's over, and then you won the Big Twelve every single year besides this year. Yeah, I mean it's just just a peek inside OSU's mindsets here. You know, in case anyone's curious, really, right? Like, that's just my point. I just, listen, it's 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 not the end of the world, but our defensive coordinator who held Baylor to, what, zero second half points, held three teams to 23 points total, um, 17 offensively. I mean, he turned, I mean, we can just keep going with this stuff, right? He just completely turned around the defense from what it ever was before. I mean, look at what, look at the turnaround this defense was this year. Like it was on another level, something that we never thought we would see from a big twelve from a Big Twelve team, let alone Oklahoma State. I mean, we had to put, yeah. up, put those years of um Glenn Spencer. Remember that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Am I getting the name right? Is that right? Glenn, Glenn Spencer, Spencer, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, Glenn's my middle yeah. name, so I gotta know that. <laughs> um I Jake I'll ask you. Uh, I mean I'll ask you. Um, yeah. how are you feeling? How you doing? What are your thoughts here about Knowles? Yeah, what do we want to lead this off with? Um, I don't know. I was going to ask if we wanted to lead off with the game or with Knowles. They both suck. But 
Not Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles does not suck. The fact that he's leaving sucks. Um, Alexi, we were Calvin and I were talking about this earlier. How many games does OSU win this year without Jim Knowles? I'm sorry. Did you, did you ask me something? Yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, My sure headphones just popped out. Can you repeat oh. that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many games does OSU win this year without Jim Knowles? Oh my gosh, I. I think I think they're definitely what they won eleven this year. I think they don't win more than more than seven, to be honest. That's my guess. I would say seven. That that's about what we said, if I remember yeah. correctly, Calvin. Because honestly, the offense was that bad, and honestly, the same could be said for Jalen Warren too. Like if we don't have Jalen Warren, right, we lose a decent amount of those games. We probably don't beat Baylor the first time. We don't beat Boise State. Um, you know, there there's a decent list of games that we probably lose if we don't have either one of those guys. Now, I don't blame, um, and this will come back when we kind of recap the, the championship game. I don't blame Knowles for leaving after he sat there and bailed us out for 13 games this year. Like it, it's it's hard to punish him for leaving when he gets to I mean not not saying he would but he gets to go to Ohio State and do probably significantly less than he's doing at Oklahoma State production wise because the production that we had this year is pretty unmatched probably would have been the best defense in the country if it weren't for Georgia Um, and we still might have been given the competition that we played but you know it he gets to go to Ohio State where he has an offense. Yeah. I mean, what what more can you want when it's like, okay, well, I if I give up 24 points, we still probably win. Yeah. He goes from CJ Stroud to Spencer Sanders. He well, goes from Tay Martin to He goes the other way. Y- you know, yeah, other way, I, sorry. I, but I know what you mean. It, it's Jim Knowles leaving, I'm not going to blame him for. Um, OSU apparently was offering $1.3 to $1.5 million a year annually to him, which is the most we would have, we would have had we would have ever offered an assistant coach in the period of OSU. At the same point, all you know, I mean, that number is always going to be higher and higher as much as you know, college coaches get paid more and more every single year. That's not necessarily the groundbreaking figure. Um, the one that right. is, though, is that Ohio State is paying Jim Knowles now the 10th highest assistant coach salary in the country by paying him $2 million a year, so, and he gets to move closer to so home. So he's getting... Yeah. So he's getting two. Yeah, he's getting two. Yeah. And we were never going to match that. I I struggle to think of a way we could uh, for a couple of different reasons. Now, Jake and I, of course, you know, talked a little bit pre-podcast planning out, so I've got this you know point off the top of my head, but... Oklahoma State's stadium seats 55,000 people. Uh, Ohio State's the Horseshoe in Columbus, famous stadium, seats 100,000. We, struggle is the wrong word, but we struggle to get a sellout every single game. We get about 50,000 or more every single game, though. So struggle is the wrong word when is what I'm saying because we get 50,000 or north of it every single year. Ohio State has a 100,000-seat stadium, right? 90 to 100,000. They get about that every single year um, selling out. That's just in ticket revenue alone. Then we want to talk about college basketball. I mean, let's face it, Boynton's been great. We've had a couple good seasons, but before then, we weren't selling out every single game. 
So if we're going to the main revenue producing sports as Oklahoma State fans, which I think we are, yeah, of course Ohio State's going to be able to pay more. They literally make more money than we do. Um, their football team does. It, it is pretty wild. It is pretty wild that the population of Stillwater could fit inside of Boomfixen Stadium. <laughs> right? Um, that is not an exaggeration. All either, three of us as, as Oklahoma State students saw maybe one, but maybe four Ocali articles, one a year, is my point, saying, when is Oklahoma State going to get a target in Stillwater? And you know what my answer is going to be? Whenever our population outgrows that of our biggest stadium. I mean, really, right? Like, you know, you kind of think, you kind of laugh, whatever. Oklahoma State doesn't have a stadium that seats more than 50,000 people. And trust me, it's bigger than 50,000. So it's just kind of something to poke fun at. But Columbus, Ohio, right? Like, you know, Norman, Oklahoma, 30 minutes south of Oklahoma City. Like, that's an 80 plus thousand seat stadium. I'm not going to try to use hyperboles and say it's 100,000 because maybe it's not. But. We, we reduced the seating capacity one year. The stadium opened in back in 2011 whenever we had, you know, everything rocking and rolling at 60,000, like 58. Now it's sellouts 55 because they kind of gave everyone a little bit more room just to kind of sit down in this, you know, stadium and we weren't hitting that sellout number all the time. So, which I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for those reasons. That means we can slim it back down whenever we can again. Point being, doesn't take a rocket science to figure out, right, that we're not going to be able to pay an assistant coach or a head coach as much as schools who have double the size in the stadium. And to go with that, the other huge second part of this is the donors and the history. We've, we are not Ohio state football. We have not been Ohio state football. And I hope one day we are Ohio state football in name, right? Like we're that good that we get stopped getting called, you know, Oki state or okay state or whatever, or Oak state. And we start getting called, Oh, there's Ohio state and there's OSU. And it's the other way instead of saying it's OSU and Oklahoma State, right? We're hoping we get there one day, but we're not there right now. We we all agree on that, right? Yeah, I right. think I think what's so frustrating is we had a guy, we we found a guy, we got the guy, and now he's gone after our best season defensively, and who knows how long. So it just sucks that after such a great season. Um, and to see all these defensive players like play out of their minds and just completely shut Big 12 offenses down. Now the guy is leaving for Ohio State, and now Ohio State's like top five most hated teams of all of the teams I, I watch in sports. So to see him go to Ohio State, that really, really, really frustrates me, and I hate it. But like you guys have said, I mean, what they're offering him more money, it's a bigger program. I mean, it's Ohio State. We, I can sit here and say I hate it all, all I want, but I mean, look, it's Ohio State. It's it's a it's a caliber, it's a top caliber school in freaking college football. So it's just it's frustrating though. It's uh, what worries me, and I don't know if you guys are worried about this, but does this worry you about like some of our defensive players about transferring? Or, like, what do you guys think about that? I, it worries me greatly, to be honest. I I, I think there's a strong chance. Why? I'm no, I'm never going to say the why state OSU. I'm just going to say it the other way. Why not go to Ohio State if your head coach recruited? If you, I mean, not you now, now, you now, defense coordinator, defense coordinator who recruited you is now at the nut of the school. That's got a bigger name, better profile, and in all these NIL deals, is all these other deals. I think the one reason would be they don't want to leave home. They know what this is. That's the big deal. But you can't tell me there's not like a ten to twenty percent chance in their mind today, this second, that they're going. 
Well, if Noel's called and offered me, I would think about it. I mean, Colin Oliver, Edmond, Oklahoma. Hard for me to imagine he's going to go to Ohio State. He wasn't recruited there, etc. But then again, he plays out his sophomore year. It goes worse than his freshman year. And all of a sudden, he thinks about it, right? Like, there's that too. You know, I mean, these guys love Jim Knowles. We all know that. We just wish the deal had gotten taken care of, period. I mean, you saw the reactions on Twitter. Everybody, literally, the whole defense is tweeting out, like, shake my head and wow. Like, they're they're like... And, and they were saying good things about him, too. You know, like they were saying, we're going to miss him. He's one of the best coaches I've ever had, like sending him good vibes as he goes to his next his next uh, chapter. But that's what kind of that's that scares me, man. Like seeing so many guys like that just had that much of an impact from him. Like, will they follow or will they just, you know, not want to stay at OSU? I don't know. Well, doing a little more research, just one more thing I want to add. Jim Knowles is now the. um the third highest paid defensive, third highest paid coordinator in college football as of right now. Wow. Um, it's, uh, it was Brent Venables at Clemson was the highest paid assistant coach, but, uh, more on that later. Um, so now it's Mike Elko, <laughs> defense coordinator, Texas A&M, Tony Elliott, Clemson, um, OC and Jim Knowles. So, um, I, I think the, the most frustrating thing to me is that, we got it beat out by a checkbook. Yeah. It's you, like, it's like, it's like going up against the freaking Yankees. Well, I, I want to ask you guys this then. The only other thing we could have done in my mind is to get, get, Hey, you know what makes, you know what means more than checkbook. And we all know that I'm probably thinking this, especially right now with my current job situation is the earlier it gets to be done, the better, right? Like if you can, if you can right. get assurances earlier, um, you know, you can offer somebody tickets earlier, then maybe they'll hear you out more on a sales pitch. That's my point. But that being said, do you think if we had offered Jim Knowles, you know, the 1.3 before the season started or something, or we kind of knew what we had, right? Let's say, you know, we'd offered a mid season during the bye week, whatever it may have been, that that would have made a difference. Cause I think that's the only, other, I think it's the only other shoe we could have played here that would have, yeah. that would have changed anything. I- it's the only other one is it offered him earlier. You know, we're not going to be able to offer more money. Can we offer him earlier? I think even if we offered him early, I think he still goes. I think Ohio State just, they, they said, we want you. And, and you, he, there was nothing he was going to say no to. Like, we weren't going to match what they were going to offer. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see it at all. I I think the question I have is, like, if we go to 1.8, does he stay? And that question will never be answered. But... I like, I genuinely wonder if we go to 1.8, you know, $200,000 less than what Ohio State's giving him, does he stay? And, you know, it's like, it's, it's hard to, I told Calvin this earlier, Alexi, but it's, it's almost like Gundy tries to like Billy Bean everything. And we don't know how much this is on him, but it's like, you know, you try to find the cheap option. And, you know, I know that's because a lot of the time they just can't afford what Ohio State can afford. Right. They can't afford what Alabama can can afford. But it's like if you just gave him a little bit more, would, would he stay? Because, like, I mean, if we're talking about we win five, six less games if he's not there, 
and Gundy's the one getting the contract extension. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating. It's especially frustrating that he goes to Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Gundy got the contract extension before the season started, right? He got offered before the season began. Um, the kind of renewal every year or whatever that adds on after every certain amount of years. So that's one thing. And that that's yeah. why I brought up the timing. Do it if we offer Knowles, you know, earlier on, does that change everything for us? We're, you know, doing better, et cetera. I don't think it makes the difference, to be honest. I think he was probably waiting out to see if he got um if he got the assistant coach award, the Ryan Royals, or excuse me, the Royals Award. Um mm-hmm. and if he had, maybe that would have changed the contract situation here or there with somebody. I don't know. It seems like it would have because of how quick and immediate on the same day he doesn't get it he leaves the school but we're, we're, we're talking he's about still a team coaching here. in the yeah he's I still, think he's he's still yeah. coaching the bowl game yeah yeah but like it just the same day it's announced right like the same day yeah um there's some fun stats here that i looked up on um yeah sportsreference.com right so points a game osu scored this year do you guys well alex am able to see Screener, do you want to take a guess how many points we scored in a game on average? Oof, uh, 31. Yeah, 30.6. 51st out of 130 in the country. All right, was it really? Yeah, 30.6 points a game. All right, now take away the TCU. My math is not that good. Take TCU and no one and wants to hear me TCU do live and math. <laughs> yeah, TCU no and one Kansas. wants to hear me do math live on yeah. this show. Do you want to guess what ours was last year? Just take a wild guess. Remember, less games 37. last year. Huh? No, not 37. 37? Less? More? No, less. 30.2. So we did eerily similar last year to this year. You know what our record was last year? Six and three in conference. Um eight and three overall. Because of the weird year, right? Weird year. Um right. points against was two fifty eight though. So keep that in mind. How many points scored against us was two fifty eight. This is twenty twenty. Last year. Yep, this is twenty twenty. Um, when we think about this season, our points um, against our points, yeah, our points against 20, 2021 is 218. So we allowed 50 less points in a longer season this year than we did last year. Hmm. Right? We played two more games. If I think I'm doing math right here. Um, yeah, we played 13 You're games right. this year. We played 11 games last year. We allowed 50 less points. Um, you know, and so that, that, that's why I'm bringing up the point slash game number because I don't have the points allowed per points against per game. I can do the math. Don't make me. Yeah. So that's my that's my point here. We were a really good football team last year if our defense was as good as our team had been this year. That's the key thing. Like, that's the key big thing here is that our defense really got so much better this year 
Now, that's without Trace Ford for most of the entire season on defense. That's yeah. without Trace Sterling for at least a couple of games, maybe half the season. I forget exactly when he left for injury when he came back. Um, and that's with other injuries across our defense. You know, we had Brock Martin go out during the game. We've, you know, got some other issues. We have, uh, you know, Jason Taylor's playing backup, for, you know, for Trey Sterling. So he's a pretty good backup, especially since he blocked the field goal against Boise State. But with all that being said, defense does make a difference. Um, defense basically is the telltale sign here of, oh, well, this year we went eight and two in conference, but last year we went six and three in conference. Key differences here is, uh, you know, we didn't allow that many points. <laughs> we allowed 50 less. Yeah. Well, and so like you're, and this brings me back to the offense, which I guess, you know, we can segue into that hellstorm. Um, but it's, it's pretty bizarre that our offense based on points was worse last year than it was this year because our offense this year sucked. Like it is, it is really, really bad. And it really hinged on like two players. It was either Tay Martin or Jalen Warren, rarely at the same time. To no fault of their own, but rarely at the same time. The only difference is you can snap the ball and hand it to Jalen Warren. Somehow you have to get the ball to Tay Martin, and the person we have trying to get the ball to Tay Martin isn't very good at it. Well, so would you put in Shane? Would you have put in Shane Ellenworth? I would have started Shane from the get-go this year. Okay, but would you have put Shane Ellenworth in the Big 12 Championship game? Yes. When would you have pulled Sanders, I guess? Any idea? Just you would have pulled him at some point? After the first pick, second pick, third pick, fourth pick, whatever? I would say after the third pick. He threw two against OU, still won, still made some dynamic plays, did what he was supposed to do. But you throw three picks, like, in a Big 12 championship game against a defense worse than yours. Like, how do you go up against our defense every single day in practice and still go out there and throw picks? Because you're throwing picks in practice. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you want the answer? Yeah. I mean, I, I said this on the last week's podcast, right? Like, you heard me go on the little yeah. rant about it for five seconds or whatever. And it was, listen, we are a really good football team except for one main issue. And that's the dependability of our starting quarterback game in, game out. Right? We know that we have a decent running game. We know our, our offensive line isn't the greatest. I had no idea that in a Big 12 championship game, our center going out and our starting quarterback really just throwing three hard to excuse picks and one that got deflected kill us in the game except for the fact that our defense still kept us in it so we had a chance at the end because i gotta be honest in that game i'm not pulling spencer the whole game i'm not pulling him any part of the game i'm not doing it he led us in and on a 90 yard drive that went that if it had gone 90 yards and an inch we would have won the game and we wouldn't be talking about any of this and so I wouldn't have pulled, I would not have pulled Spencer the whole time. 
because you live and die with that guy in the 13th game of the season. You just do. Yeah. You, you, it's now. Now, if he got injured, if there was a slip up, if he threw four picks in the first half, see ya. But it was one pick is hard to hard to for me to go. Yeah, that's completely on him. Three others, I go. Yeah, that's on him. Can't pull a red shirt junior who's been with the pro. You know, it's just it's tough to do that. I when he's not I been just, he's not been like, healthy to see the end of the season ever before too. That that's fair. I I think four picks and like eight drastically underthrown balls. I was kind of like just done with it because some of those like simple fade routes just couldn't he couldn't hit them everything was short he got i mean we got lucky to be on the one yard line on that one play because the dude caught the ball around the running back caught the ball around yeah. the defender yeah because the ball was underthrown but it well it's are we yeah, here it's... without spencer sanders i don't know but with the way our defense was playing I don't necessarily know if it mattered who was at quarterback as long as you don't make mistakes. Well, all right. Well, well, you, you know, I, I told both of you guys this. I had the chance to sit next to Shane Ellingsworth's uncle and talk with him for a while. And yeah. I'm not quoting him when I'm saying any of this. I'm not quoting Shane when I'm saying any of this. This is from my own mouth and from my own thought process after I talked with the, with the uncle. Okay. Randomly talked to them at a soccer game in Oklahoma City that his kid was playing in too. So it wasn't I didn't sit down and chat with him about sports. So I'm not trying to you know put anyone on the spot here. I will say though, from his own words, Shane runs a sub four five forty, is lightening everyone up in practice, and it's not getting shown the entire playbook. And all three of those things make perfect sense for why we didn't play him this year and why we held on to one more of his year of eligibility. I mean, it really does. Like, because if you toss him out there and he lights up whoever, you're not putting Spencer back in. Good Lord, no. Right? Like, you're taking all of the, you know, courage and confidence away from Spencer Sanders, which had previously won us 11 out of 12 games. Um, and you're trying to keep the guy around for as many years as you can with still a really good defense next year. Right? Like, it all makes sense there. The difficult and the annoying and the frustrating part is we're a good team, not a great team. And the good team is what showed up on Saturday, except for only on defense. And a bad team showed up on offense, which has before. So my, are we going to have to do this all again next year? Is he going to be the starting quarterback again next year? Um... If he comes back, why wouldn't he? Because of the Notre Dame game, maybe? And we'll preview that one later on down the road here. Um, yeah. I mean, We've I don't see what, what would change, you know, unless they truly go into the offseason and say, okay, going into spring camp and then before um, the season, we're going to have a true tryout with, between you guys. Whoever looks better is going to play. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, but will they even go to that point? Would they Would they say, no, Spencer, you're not our guy? Or, or, or is he going to get games in the beginning of the season? And if he struggles, they're saying, okay, we're pulling you for for Shane. And regardless of how, 
how good you looked. Or if you turn if you turn out and throw terrible picks and you can't throw the ball and you're under, under throwing people, then yeah, you're not you're not going to be our quarterback because you can't you can't have that kind I mean, of crap I, happen again. It, I don't anticipate having the defense next year we had this year. Yeah, just we're gonna, it, off it's gonna the regret, bat, I don't really want to do it. We're going to regress significantly, yeah. so I think next year will probably be a telltale sign of the norm that we get with Spencer Sanders, unless he just takes a massive like Heisman leap forward, where it's like, what is going on? But I haven't seen it. He's actually regressed every single year. I don't um, think he's. I don't think he's regressed. I don't think he's finished a season stati- before. I mean, I don't think he's gotten any better. Statistically, he is regressed. Statistically, I'm, but it, sure. But I got. In that OU like, game, he oh that OU game he was so injured they played Shane with a concussion apparently. Like if he had to, you know. But I think going yeah. going from 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 his first season with us to now, I think we should be seeing a much better Spencer Sanders compared to like that kind of game he throws up like in, in the Big Twelve Championship. Like that's literally the worst thing that could have happened. Like if he throws one pick, that game could be completely different. But instead, that I mean that's. That's the second worst game we've seen him have. Yeah. And it's like you expect a guy like that who you, you know, highly recruited. That's your main guy. That's your star quarterback. You expect him to each year, each game improve. And I, I don't think we've seen that to to the point we wanted to see him. And I, I know there's like high and big expectations for him. And, you know, some guys don't reach that 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 potential. But I think that he should still be much better than what we've seen from him to this point. And I think it's pretty disappointing of what we've seen. Um, and so yeah. I, I will say, like, he was – I told Calvin this. They do the the quarterback rating or whatever for college, but it's a little different than pro. He was 71st overall in the country based on rating. And, I, like, I'm sorry. If OSU has someone 30 to 50 range, we might not lose a game. I mean, we. I mean, I, I'm fully aware we don't. Yeah. That's an eight point difference. Eight eight points. We're talking about the whole season on eight yeah. points. We. I, I didn't, I, I didn't I, process that until you right? just said it. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking our whole season is based on eight points. Wow. We scored ten more points the whole season. We are thirteen and zero, maybe number one seed in college football playoffs. I mean, maybe. Probably still Alabama gets the better credit than us because we were getting devalued the whole season. We're in the Big yeah, 12, let's face it. Yeah. You know, but number two overall. I'll take it, baby. Like, it, it hurts a little bit. Sorry if I just got it way louder because I had to speak with some more backbone about this. But like Spencer Sanders did not get us any points. This is an Oklahoma State team that did not score points this season. In one, two, three, four five six seven eight games eight out of 13 we didn't score 30 points we had it in the red zone on the 10 yard line <laughs> like seven times time. yeah how many eight times eight times and then we had it on the one yard line four times four plays but we couldn't put the damn ball in and i'm sorry we but that fuck i'm sorry didn't want to cuss that starts with your damn quarterback <laughs> right there if you have a good quarterback, yeah. you put that ball in. I don't care what you jump through. You go. I don't. You have to get the ball in there. There's just no freaking excuse for it. Oklahoma State ran more plays than Baylor. Oklahoma State ran 17 plays in the red zone and got zero points out of it. 
17 plays in the red zone. Zero points. 17. 17. It was, was, I think they said we ran, yeah, it was like 17 plays inside the 10, and they got like three points, and they ran eight plays inside the five and got zero. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. Our I mean, de- the, that- de- the defense, I just want to hype up the defense because we're, we're bringing ourselves down on offense pretty hard here. We're glacing yeah. into it. That's so frustrating. And we got nine more minutes in the podcast. So frustrating. Because we, we, we clearly going to do a two-parter tomorrow night. But our defense never made Baylor go. Um, Excuse me, I'll say it the other way. Our defense only allowed Baylor to score when they had less than half the field to work with. Anytime that Baylor had to go more than 47 yards, they didn't score. Yeah, I mean, and what were those all off of? Oh, we turnovers, turnovers, <laughs> turn, turn, turnovers, That's turnovers. So crazy and a horrible punt, like literally a horrible luck with that the punt, punt. Sucks. Okay, okay, but you know I what? Saw it but, on foot but, and I was like, oh but, god. But you know what? But you know what? That punt's not that bad. If our line, if our whole guys line up correctly, we don't have a legal formation for fifteen yards. Considering right? how great Tom Hutton's been this year, like it's fine. Well, if, if let, Baylor had gotten the ball, if, if so, Baylor got the ball in the forty-seven, right? Forty-seven plus fifteen is Jake. You're the one who teaches here. Lexi and I are uh, fully out of I school. Try sixty-three. 63? I, sixty-two. Uh, sixty-two. Yeah. So <laughs> science. I don't teach math. We're good at math. So they would have gotten the ball in the our thirty-eight yard line. Is my point. Yeah. Right. I think I'm doing that. Uh, no, I'm giving way too much credit to somebody here. No, I'm no, I'm saying that right. They would have gotten the ball right. on the 38 yard line. Yeah. So if they had to go a full, you know, not even a full field, still a lot less than a full field. But if they had to go 38 yards, which is only 13 more yards, then you get a touchback. I don't think they score. So a legal formation like we were this close because our defense is that good to win the game. And what right? wasn't that also the drive where they were like third and goal? And they just kind of like threw up that ball into the back corner of the end zone. And it was, it was the it's last gonna be a top scored, ten play. Right? It's gonna be a top ten play for forever. It, that, it was that, that was a picture throw, perfect play in the end zone. When he caught it, Dad, Luke, and I all we all watched the game together. We all look at each other and go, Oh my god, did he really catch that? Are they gonna show a replay? And they did, and then it was like, Oh my god, what a catch. Well got speechless. The funny thing is, we not funny. Because I hope he's okay. We hurt their quarterback. We hurt him. He, his shoulder was hurt because he was getting hit so many times. And it's like, Alexi, I, why didn't they just run a quarterback sneak? Why? I, why didn't they just run it? And, and this is where I, I kind of go back to play calling. What the hell was that? What was it? I don't, I don't, I still am, I don't know why one time they wouldn't have tried a QB sneak. And why the hell they were even throwing the ball on the one yard line when Spencer was terrible all game anyway? So like, remember that one where they just threw it up and it just was terrible on the one? Like, I think it was third down. So the defensive end. I think it was so third the defensive down. end. Was it third down? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Lacy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what yeah. are we doing? Like, what? Like, what is? What are we doing? We're on the one yard line. Just don't don't make it harder than you need it to be. Well, I think we want right. to make some passing play. We had tried to run the ball basically every single time. Well, yeah, so but it's why like mixing one pass. Why to Lacey on that play? Oh, that was because we could because we're <laughs> like if you're gonna do it, sure, but don't do it to freaking Lacey on that third down play. For sure, but I I don't know what happened because clearly we couldn't sub Lacey out. Yeah. Clearly, clearly Lacey was in to run block. Yeah. And 
so was F, I forget number 98th number uh name um but clearly he was also in and we didn't sub him out and that's what sucks like we didn't sub out the guys we should have subbed out to run that play correctly we don't have they didn't run an outside run they didn't run one outside run no nope. like Nope. A designed, um, designed outside run. I, don't, I will say. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to put this as a total. I'm not going to say, oh, this is the reason we lost because it's not. We should have scored on the one yard line no matter what. But it really did piss me off that Baylor was calling that timeout. Did you guys see that where they're calling the timeout and yeah. just the, the rest were like, oh, no, just come back on. Hurry up. Run the play really quick. Like, sh- shouldn't that have been a penalty? It 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 should, so it I, should not have been a penalty from everything I've read. Jay, okay. correct me if I'm wrong. It should, have it should been. not have been yeah. a penalty. It should have been a reset of game clock completely, and you're able to huddle or okay. whatever. So it shouldn't have been anything. It, well, okay. well. The, so there are two options. The ref can either decide to not acknowledge them in this situation, not acknowledge yes. them, or the other option, which is apparently, which is what we saw happen, is that the refs went, uh. You don't have one. Okay. We messed up. We should never have thought you had one, but didn't check and see that you don't have one. And then yeah. reset the play clock to 25 just, seconds and reload. So, reload so the, about everything. I, I looked up the rule um, just because I was interested because I genuinely didn't know. And I was like, well, if they call the timeout or not, we didn't score from the one yard line eight times. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, from what I read, it is supposed to be a five-yard delay of game penalty. That's what I thought. If the offense calls it, though, right? Correct. It seems pretty subjective to allow it to just be like calling time in baseball. Where they're like, mm, you might get it, you might not. But if we grant it, eh, who cares? doesn't matter. Like, I'm sorry, if you're turned around calling a timeout and we snap the ball yeah, and we're standing five yards deep in the end zone, but you blow the play dead, then you have a problem. Yeah. Because you yeah. granted a timeout that a team does not have. Now, obviously, BS. this did not happen. They completely blew the play dead. I don't necessarily think it mattered, but I think that they should have blown the play dead told the teams to go back to their sidelines and just restart. I, they, I think they that's should what have basically happened. given them a yeah. timeout. Yeah, a timeout, yeah. Basically, that was the yeah. only fair thing to do is to actually, because one team's asking timeout, the other team's going, wait, you don't have to timeout. Why are they calling a timeout? You kind of got to give, you know, it's unfortunate, but. You can't um, just blow the play dead and not great. You just call an official timeout as annoying as it would have been. You basically already put like a hitch in the system anyways by by completely like slowing the game down. Because I don't know if that was the play we were going to run. I don't know. But clearly they weren't going to change it. So it might have been the same play. Well, to answer your guys' questions, though, um, real quick as we kind of end up the first part of the podcast here. Godlevsky, our starting center, yeah. got injured. He played the last three games. He didn't play the last three games of the season. He was still injured and didn't play in the Baylor game. And that's reason number probably one through a thousand of why we didn't run a quarterback sneak. Now, we ran a quarterback sneak earlier on in the game and had great success with it, but granted, it wasn't the same stakes. What I would have done is ran a quarterback sneak on the drive before he kicked the field goal. 
in a, yes, in a perfect world, right? I would have tried it then. Tried it then because if you can put six on the board, we, you know, we were down. What we finished the game down five, so we're down eight. So you can put the yeah, if you can put the six points on the board. You can try to go for a two. If you don't go for a two, then you can kick the field goal. But unfortunately, that didn't work out. So you got to take the three points there. You have to. It sucks, but you have to. And then go from from there. Yeah, I I agree with that. I thought, I mean, just part one again, wrapping this up. Alexi, correct me if I'm wrong. Calvin and I talked about this. There did not appear to be anybody in the A-gaps right next to the guy lined up. There was one guy lined up over center. Yeah. And then it didn't look like there was anybody in the gaps next to him. It, did it, Were yeah. you seeing the same thing yeah. I did? Yeah, I didn't see, I didn't see that. Yeah. I'm on the same page like, there. Yeah. I, I, I have to imagine if you're the, and we can all agree, Spencer Sanders is an incredible athlete. If you're the athlete that he is, you walk up there and you see two wide open gaps and you snap the ball and just stick your arm over. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Or put Illingworth if you really want to want a quarterback sneak. Right. I don't know. Turn in the big like, body and just drive it in there. I mean, just so frustrating just to get to that point and just completely blow it. It's annoying as can be. But you know what? We'll be back here shortly uh, with part two of the CJ Tour podcast, recapping the um, Oklahoma State loss against Baylor and then loss of our um, defense coordinator because we didn't even touch on Brett Venables. And I have a whole great long rant that Jake knows about. Incoming. Welcome back to another episode of the CGA Tour podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and this is part two of the Cowboy football um, podcast. I guess, so, you know, recapping the uh, the loss to Baylor a little bit. That was more part one. This part two is much more of the uh, OU goes and gets their guy. And um, their guy being Brent Venables, the guy they ran out of town 10 years ago after losing the Bethlehem game. I don't know if you... You know, I mean, I've been an OSU fan for years, um, decades, plural now. And I got to say, um, OU having their head coach leave, their offensive and defensive coordinator leave, uh, several five-star commits, and um, a couple of current guys on the roster leave has uh, not really affected them that much, it seems, now that they've got the Clemson's uh, defensive coordinator. The 7-5 um, Clemson's defensive coordinator from the past season. I don't know. Am I, am I saying too much here? Am I not saying enough? I don't get the Brent I, Venables hype. Do you guys? Yes. You get, had, you get it? He statistically had a top 10 defense at least. It might even be close to top five with exception of one year. Um, over his entire tenure at Clemson. Well, and, I don't get it from this perspective, I'll say. He got... Let go from OU. Um, you know, he, um, he's one of the five in 06. He's one of the five finals for the Royals award as a top system coach. But, um, you know, basically it was announced that Mike Soups, Bob Soups's brother, uh, was returned to OU to resume the defensive coordinator position he had held until 2004, whenever Venables then took it over. Um, and then, Later on, Venables ended up accepting the DC position at Clemson. So for me, at least, like Oklahoma State wins that lemon twenty eleven, uh, blows out OU forty four to ten, and goes and plays the Fiesta Bowl. OU has an underwhelming year, of course. I mean, they don't win the Big Twelve any year that they don't. It's an underwhelming year for them, and 
then Venables leaves, and um, in 2017, he was the um, second highest paid assistant football coach in America, and he was the highest football coach of this past year. Um, excuse me, assistant coach or coordinator. So, from those perspectives, OU was not mad when they let this guy go. You know, no one was like, oh no, what will we do? And I understand he's done great things at Clemson, but I mean, um, I, you know, both of you guys probably know my standpoint here is that OU is going to go into the SEC as like the Heisman Trophy team, right? Like, oh, hey, we have Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. This is kind of how we're aligning ourselves. We're offensive minded, etc. And it just seems like a weird judgment to make going, oh, yeah, all of a sudden we just absolutely just love this guy after we let him go and everything's all right now, you know? Yeah, I I don't know. It was I think it was definitely their one of their top targets. Like they that was the guy they wanted. It was the early rumor. They got him and he was, you know, he was going to get a head coaching job eventually. It was all but in the works of it, you know, just where was he going to go? I just, you and I were talking about it yesterday, Calvin, after the other podcast we did, and you made, you made a good point, and I kind of wanted to go off of it. Sure, they're going to come in and re, he'll, he'll recruit really well defensively. Oh, you should be better defensively with that kind of defensive mind. How, the question will be, how will they recruit offensively? Will offensive guys want to come to OU knowing they're going to a coach with a defensive mind? I mean, I'm sure they can still recruit offensively. Sure. But you know, I'm that the whole it's it's going to be different. Lincoln Riley was more of an offensive guy. He was recruiting offensive players all the time. Look at all the quarterbacks he brought in and what they did. So it will be interesting to see how they change that way, especially going to the SEC because, of course, they have to beef up the defense. They can't go into the into the SEC with the with the defense they threw around in the Big Twelve. Um, I don't know. It will be interesting, and the fact that they did get rid of him years ago and now they bring him back it. I didn't even honestly. I, I didn't even know that he was there um, until we kind of talked about that too. So there, it's just it makes sense, but it is weird in a way of of the hire. Um, I I personally don't think Brent Venables cares. Like I I think he's he's probably like uh, I got fired for the guy's brother. Sure. Like it, it at some point. Brent Venables with his two national championship rings and probably eight ACC championships is like, I think we can just let bygones be bygones. Like, I, I don't think he cares on, on the offensive recruiting front. I think it'll be interesting because they hired their offensive coordinator today, uh, Levy from Ole Miss, who mm-hmm. is a very good offensive coordinator, also a terrible person. So. <laughs> And if you don't know what I mean by terrible person, um, he was one of the people that helped cover up a lot of the Baylor stuff under Art Bryles. So he's a terrible person. That's why I say well, that. Well, he also is related to Art Bryles. He's Correct. His, uh, he's Art Bryles yep. is his father-in-law, I believe. Yep. Yes. He's the son-in-law of Art Bryles. So does... Now, I, I also saw some stuff now that Oklahoma is moving into Arch Arch Manning's top list because of levy for whatever that's worth um i don't know but to allude to your recruiting point i think that probably says a lot yeah 
Okay. I mean, he's moving into like the highest touted recruit I've known of for a while, at least the one ESPN lets me know about and the guy with the Manny in his last name that lets us know about right. too, right? Like, and, probably kind of doesn't speak too much to the, oh, he's a defensive guy recruiting only defense then. So and I'm not, I'm not trying to be an OU defender, but I think probably like a week and a half, two weeks ago, I probably have a text message that says Oklahoma should probably just get Brent Venables and Levy. Like, I, I think I legitimately have a text that says that because, like, if you're just looking at it from an objective standpoint, Brent Venables is a good hire. If Brent Venables went to any other school, we would be like, okay, this is a good hire, right? Like, we wouldn't be saying anything. And so I think, you know, give, given what he's done, it's not like, you know, he has, it's not like he hasn't had draft picks. It's not like he hasn't developed players. Um, it's not like he hasn't recruited. I mean, he almost dominated down there in Florida for a long time, for a couple of years there where those schools in Florida weren't pulling any of those athletes that they have. And he just basically filled up that entire area full of like Florida defensive backs. So I, I do think though that, that like you said, this might be an SEC forward thinking move. Like, we're going to the SEC. We are going to need this. We are going to need a guy that can call defense. And based off of what we've seen them do, that's what the, based off what Brett Venables has done, that's what they got. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. And you know what? I, I had to like look up just to make sure I was thinking about this correctly. Bob Stoops. The previous OU assistant coach, uh, excuse me, OU coach and current interim head coach. He was a defensive guy too. He was, you know, he's, you know, he, he starts out as a GA at Iowa. Um, he's a Kent State assistant. Then he's a K State, uh, DB coach, Kansas State code, DC, uh, Florida assistant head coach slash DC. And then he's with OU for 17 years. Um, before moving on to the Dallas Renegades for 2020 in the XFL. I, I, yeah, I'm just right off looking at the big picture. No, no shots fired. I just, um, I'm confused as like an OSU fan going, okay, so aren't, aren't you guys like, yeah, go Brent Venables, but like, man, we got a long way back, right? I mean, my, you think Venables going to get a lot of the offensive guys who may, may, may or may not be thinking, you think Caleb Williams, like, stays because they got Lebby? You know, I mean, are there a lot of, okay, well, we know OU and the Big 12, except for Oklahoma State this season, as being an offensive type of conference. You know, it's racking up points, whatever, and I don't know if the stats will back me up on years in a row, but it just seems like an interesting hire. I'll say it that way. Seems like an interesting hire, and I would just, if I was no OU fan, I would tap in my expectations because of how many guys they you know, this isn't a, okay, um, Riley leaves, Venables comes in, you know, wipe our hands of everything, and all stuff's good to go. This is, Riley leaves, takes a ton of the coaching staff with him, takes five-star recruits with him, takes current guys on the roster who are now transferring, or at least thinking about transferring. Um, it just seems odd to me that there's a bunch of hype around Venables, but I do get it. You want 
it was bad a week ago and now all of a sudden they get their guy back, you know, and their guy being a guy that they let go previously, but who has really, maybe they should never let go. Maybe they've yeah. so, I don't know. Let, let me ask you guys this. Let's say we're Oklahoma, right? Let's say Mike Gundy just up and leaves and goes to some random school that he probably had no business leaving to go to. Tennessee. Would yep. we be, would we be happy with a Brent Venables hire? I think so. I think we'd be pretty happy. Yes, but I would still be very concerned. I would probably because be of confused. The other stuff. Yeah, I would I would be confused, but I would probably be like, okay, this guy's clearly proven that he can coach. Yeah. And recruit. I do think that it's all I mean, how much of a hire good hire it is, I do think it's, I mean, it's going to be good for them, I think. Um, but I don't think it fixes everything right away. I still think that there's a lot of gaps they're going to have to fill back up. I think with, with how Riley left and how he took a lot of the coaching staff and how he took a yeah. ton of players, you know, I just think it's just, it's, it's, it's not going to be, you know, all rainbows and butterflies the first year. So, Had so it, something there. If, if Venables is able to bring some of his defensive guys from Clemson, then yeah. they're probably sitting pretty, right? I mean, Clemson had another like top whatever defense this year. Their offense yeah. was just like watching paint dry. Like if, if OU all, like all of a sudden figures out how to play defense and you're like, Hey, we have Caleb Williams for the next two years. They're probably going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, but okay. They're not okay with okay. I guess that's my thinking, is that OU was mad. Hey, we didn't make it to the Big 12 Championship this year, right? They were really, yeah. really close to doing so. They were four points away in the Bedlam game. Um, They don't lose to Baylor. They definitely make it, right? Yeah. They were really, really close. I just... You know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, growing up in Oklahoma, I know OU is like the team of, hey, we're big brother to OSU and their Red River shootout or rivalry isn't even a thing or conversation. It's just OU when looking back over the past 10 years, it's kind of head scratcher on that point. But with all being big fan of OSU, I was a big fan of the, um, yeah, yeah, the promotions of the assistants to head coach. The last one to do so was Gundy. He's now coached at OSU for 17, you know, going on years, I think. Yeah. My biggest question to OU fans would be, hey, are, are, are you still going to be ha- Like, are you, what are your expectations for this upcoming season? Like, how good do you think you'll be? That'd be my, that's my question, right? Like, so you got Caleb Williams on the roster. Let's say he stays. I don't, I haven't seen anything about him saying he's going to transfer. So I'm going to, Say he's staying. Um, you don't have a brand new great recruiting class coming in, but this is all before even the recruiting cycle ends. The signing day hasn't even happened yet, so maybe Venables gets some guys to flip, maybe some transfers over, etc. Isn't early signing day next week, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken? It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it hasn't even happened yet, is my point, right? Like, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that could still happen here where OU's like, yeah, we feel great. Why wouldn't we feel good? We were four points away from the, going to the Big 12 Championship. Um, we should be Baylor and they're probably going, yeah, we, we should have just won out. Right. 
they maybe maybe they go we put too much trust in Rattler or whatever. Who knows? It's um I'd just be and, curious to hear how an OU fan thinks about going into next season, what their like genuine realistic expectations are. So I will say will say my Will is very happy. He like my my friend Will, I've talked about him before. He he went to Oklahoma. Goes to OU. Yep. Yeah, he went to Oklahoma and he is, he's very happy about the Venables hire. Um, and there was kind of, and you guys probably agree with me, Oklahoma, given that quote that I read a couple podcasts ago where the guy said that this, these Lincoln Riley talks could have been happening, um, back in September, right? There was potential that they could have been taught that he was talking to USC back in September. If you go back and like look at some of those Oklahoma games, they look stale. Like they we all agree they did not look like they probably should have looked this year. Rattler didn't look like he had very much confidence. He didn't really look like he knew what he was doing because their backup quarterback is better than our starting quarterback. So like it's it's not like we think Spencer Rattler's bad, but he didn't look the same. There were times, I mean, Caleb Williams is a freshman, but there were times that he just looked like he didn't know what was going on. Oh, you just didn't didn't look impressive for a lot of the games they played this year. So, yeah. If if Lincoln Riley did the whole Brad Underwood and hung him out to dry. You know, then, then it would make a lot of sense. I, it would make a lot of sense as to why they would be pretty elated about Brent Venables. Because now they're just like, we, we got to hire a name that everybody knows, not just some people know. It's not like they went and got, you know, everybody knows Marcus Freeman now, but did everybody know Marcus Freeman two weeks ago? No. Nope. I didn't. But it, but everybody knew Brent Venables. Everybody knows Brent Venables because the dude won two national championships. So I think it might take them a second, especially pulling a lot of those like offensive guys back. But at the end of the day, you and I both know, you guys and I both know, they still have a guy that's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy before he leaves college. He might. I don't know how much I put on, hey, you know what? Since Lincoln Riley had his mind on possibly leaving, he didn't prepare correctly every single week. Yeah. Right? Because I, I mean, know. that's that's very good now. Like, we, we don't know. I mean, in, who's, in to say sense, that, who's to say that uh, Jim Knowles and the rest of the defense coordinators in the Big 12 caught up a little bit to Riley? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean. That's fair. I I struggle to think, hey, you know what? When a guy is trying to earn more money at another school, he's not putting his best foot forward every single week as well with the current school he's at. Trying, you know, because I got to think, like, if OU had won the Big 12 this year, maybe Riley gets paid another million dollars by USC. Who knows? They're a private institution, right? Been under the dollar amount. Right, my, right. my point would just be, why, if Riley's head's all over the place, then... Either one, he had a vendetta against OU and he was not preparing correctly because he said, screw it, I'm out of, I'm out after the end of the season regardless of what happens. So I'm gone. 
But it's hard for me to think about just because going into the season, he has the Heisman Trophy front runner. He has a team that's ranked top 10 in the country. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many things going for OU. Right, yeah. season, it's hard for me to think, oh, well, Riley's just kind of just, nah, this is a bad season, right? Because, like, last season, season before, um, didn't do much, right? So, that's just where I kind of stand on that, at least, is, like, why not play your best before every single moment of personal day if you're Lincoln Riley? You know, I mean, I I get it. Underwood, like, not having the greatest coach game ever whenever he knows he's signed with Illinois the next day. A little yeah. odd. Um, can we, Riley can we make his the best joke foot forward in Bedlam when he's signing with another school the next day? Makes sense. But the whole you'll, season you'll, for it to be lackluster? I don't know. You'll laugh at this one, Calvin. Why yeah. did he not put his best foot forward? Because he went to USC. <sighs> Did you see their introductions of Lincoln Riley? Like their like pep rally band and like whatever. It was literally a skit out of SNL. I mean, it just looked so like it was looks like it was a skit out of SNL. Oh yeah, come on, walk up the stairs, and another guy meets him at the top of the stairs. Hey, actually, don't come up right now. And then yeah, they come. Whatever the band's all like fake playing. The cheerleaders are. There's three of them, and they're just they're dancing into the band. I don't know what else they'd be doing. It just is a bizarre press conference for him to get introduced. Oh, you does look like they put together one hell of a good press conference for Venables. Yeah. I'll say that. I'll say that for yeah. sure. No, they look good. My my biggest thing with Venables going to OU with Gundy every so often, and it hasn't happened that recently, but I think in like 2017 it was the last time um, I've Gundy kind of flirting with another school. My biggest thing with all this is OU fans want to act like Lincoln Riley was Mike Gundy and the fact that, oh, he's never going to leave, or if he does leave, he's going to afford another school and we'll be able to pay him more. And they're butthurt at the end of the day that you went to a lesser school. Like, USC is a lesser school than OU. OU, I don't love saying it. I wish it was way different, but OU has ran the Big 12 for the past decade. You know, the past two decades, they're the... They're not the most recent team to win a national championship, but they won it in 2000. Um, Texas won in 05, of course, with Vince Young. But OU's been the team to beat every single year, year in, year out. We've been talking, hey, if only we can win Bedlam. You know, right? Like, OU's been the team to beat. And Lincoln Riley said, yeah, I might be in a great spot here at OU where I'm in the conversation every single year for the national championship, where I'm the front runner preseason every year, almost first overall to win the Big 12. And have a great recruiting class coming in next year. Oh, you did have a great, great recruiting class before he flipped a couple of those guys, right? And he yeah. went, eh, but you know what? Palm trees and sunny skies, I'm out of here. And I get it. It's currently what I did. I left Oklahoma and moved out to Southern California myself. But a lot of people have every right to be annoyed and butthurt that you didn't get the Mike Gundy chance. You didn't get to try to sign a guy for a little bit more money. And I, however Gundy goes about getting a promotion or a raise or whatever and he hasn't done this again in like four or five years so it's been a little bit but he at least gave OU the chance OSU the chance excuse me to sign up for more money and to negotiate and it was during the off season it was you know when when there wasn't a lot of sports and stuff going on it wasn't during the middle of the recruiting cycle that he just up and leave um I do agree that Lincoln Riley went about this a very shady way of doing everything. But then again, if USC goes, Hey, 
This is the deadline on to accept the offer. And this is all hearsay. I don't know if this is true or not. But if USC had a deadline and he goes, all right, cool. Well, the deadline hit. I lost OSU. I'm out. Then go for it. Like, I'm not going to tell a guy he's choosing wrong by moving out to Southern California. But I do believe every single person goes, oh, well, you know what? Like, I really, really would love to just, you know, have the head coach, have the personality type, or have whatever that, oh, we're the best. You're never going to leave us, except for the NFL. And instead, a guy leaves OU for USC. Yeah. You know, uh, it, a team that blew him out, I think, in the national championship game, right? I think most of these coaches are always, I mean, if you're not in a premier spot, I mean, I know OU is a good spot to, to be in, but I think this just, this just tells us that they're always looking for the next move. Like they're never, you're never safe with a guy. Like, yeah, we might be safe with a Gundy because he was, he's from, you know, Oklahoma, went to Stillwater, he lives in Stillwater all these years, whatever. But there's so many guys that are just looking to make that next move. And, you know, you can't say, Oh yeah, I, fi- I found out about it last night. Lincoln Riley was talking about it for weeks. He didn't just find out about it. All these guys are always looking at it from weeks ago to months ago. Brian Kelly, he didn't know about it two nights ago before he hired, got hired at LSU. So, I think that's what kind of scares me, man. Like, I, I'm not, I, I know we've said our, our things about Gundy and Jake. I know you have your differences too. But if we do eventually have to get off of Gundy and we, we hire somebody, it is scary because is Oklahoma State going to be that stepping stone kind of job where we, we bring a guy in, he's there for three, four years, has a lot of good success, and then he's out for another big, bigger job, you know? So. And that Calvin and I actually brought that up yesterday where it's like, we don't want to be a school. And it goes back. We, we've said this. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for how long, but we've, we've talked about this multiple times where it's the expectation factor. If you are Oklahoma state, you have got to raise the expectations. Yeah. Just in general. And. Sim- similar in a way that probably like a Georgia did. Now, I know Georgia has a relatively historically good, good, I mean, definitely better than Oklahoma State, but we've looked up the statistics of what, what Georgia's looked like during Gundy's tenure, right? We, we've looked that up and it's, it's pretty similar. It's not too far off. So yeah. at some point, you have to raise the expectations of like, and I know this comes along with the national media aspect as well. I, it's still bizarre to me that Georgia gets as much national media coverage, considering the fact that BYU's won a national championship since they have. By the way, did you guys know that BYU? Yeah, I yeah, know. I mean, I, I mean, it's not something I just like knew, but I did know. Yeah, you know, I had to think about it for a second after you said BYU, it. But I'm like, oh yeah, of course they have. Georgia Tech. Like, right. there's a list of schools that have won a national championship since Georgia has, but. At some point, you you have to raise those expectations. Yeah. And if you are going to raise those expectations, Calvin said it yesterday, um, you have to spend the money. You have you to get have the butts in the, the seats. Money. 100%. You have to get the butts in the seats. How many times have, have we watched a game? Maybe we've been in the stadium for a nationally televised Oklahoma State game, and there's empty seats. There's just, And I don't care if it's 100 empty seats, if it's 500 empty seats, if it's one empty seat. How many times have we seen a nationally televised Oklahoma State game where empty seats, empty, you know, stands? Yeah. Right. And, and to be honest, Boone Pickens isn't the best place to watch a football game because from like 
I don't know, two thirds of the stadium, you can't see anything. Well, but because like, where, sits... like, what other stadium is better in the Big Twelve? Besides, oh, I agree. Oh, besides yeah. Oklahoma, yeah, because <laughs> it's like built. You know what I'm saying? It's built so flat, and there's no like. I dislike stadiums that don't have a connected bowl. That bothers me. Um, well, we we're connected on one side, but that was yeah. That as I went to Lewis Field. I'm 28 years old, and less than 20 years ago. Maybe a little bit younger than that. I went to Lewis Field before the back end zone was complete. Like, I still remember those days, right? When, like, the, the side is different. And all this is to say, we're building that way. Like, we, as a university, as a school, are building towards more and more fans in the stands, more and more students, et cetera. Yeah. I think that by yeah. being in the Big 12 with Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and UCF, it's only going to either really help us or really hurt us. So I, I just came up with this thought because I was thinking of really big national brands that are in small places because we could use that excuse till the end of time. Stillwater is just not a big place. It's hard to sell at the stadium because it's not in a big place. There's another stadium that I just thought of that sells out every single time nebraska penn state yeah it's in happy valley my sister was there um my hopefully future brother-in-law um went to school at penn state it's in the middle of nowhere like probably even more than stillwater (laughs) at least stillwater is like right off the highway Happy Valley's in the middle of nowhere, but Happy Valley is massive. It sells out. They've got the whiteout thing going for them. The whole the whole nine yards. So why why can't I mean was Happy Valley anything before or was Penn State anything before Joe Paterno? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So. But my point is, is like, there are places that can succeed with this type of bottle. Now, OU, OSU is probably just a little behind the eight ball, and that's fine. But, you know, it, you, you gotta put butts in seats. And we've won the football games. So now we just need, again, I don't think it's firing Gundy. I don't think that's the solution. I think if you fired Gundy, you'd probably get less butts and seeds. Mm-hmm. But I, it just seems bizarre that that we're just able to get picked off now. Like we're, no. you know, we've had two two assistants leave for Ohio State, our two best assistants over the last basically since we were in college. Um, one of our other assistants also under Gundy is calling plays right now for Georgia. Another one is the head coach at Houston. Another one is the head coach at UNLV, and he was the OC at Oregon. There's a lot of guys that Gundy has previously had that have went on to success, which tells me he's good at finding assistant coaches, mm-hmm. and he's also good at letting them go. Now, I don't know if that's him or the athletic program, but it speaks to what Calvin said. Either you gotta pay him or you gotta convince him to stay. 
Well, Arroyo went not, from, but but Arroyo went from being a running backs coach to an offensive right. coordinator at Oregon. Right, he took a right. promotion and a pay raise when we yes. didn't have the ability to make him a dual OC. Right, right. that's Marcus Arroyo. You know, now the head coach at UNLV. Um, to go through it just a little bit real quick, Gleason. I don't think we were that mad when he left. Right. Um, uh, he had he had Chuba Hubbard, so we weren't we weren't that <laughs> mad when he left. Is you know my point, right? So that's that's okay. Um, Yurisich, I don't think we were that upset when he left, and I think it was a weird move to be a co OC to go from being an OC Oklahoma State, a true single tissue OC to co OC at Ohio State, right? And then the other guys who left, um, you know, Dane Holgerson and award that, you know, or assistant coordinator or whatever, that that uh, Jim Knowles didn't win. Holgerson won it and then went to be a head coach, right, at West Virginia? Yes. Texas Tech, excuse me. So... No, you're right. West Virginia. At West Virginia? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, like, he's not going to take a head coaching position with OSU. So, we're, you know what I mean? Like, I... Right. Oh, this is sure. the first time where I go... Oh, we had a really good guy who left for a sit for left for the same position, just another school, you know, and left for the same position, another school without taking a demotion, without taking a mm-hmm. um lapse or whatever. Right. Like this is the first guy because the well, your such thing, he goes from being an, an OC to co-OC. Gleason to goes OC. back to where he's from to a non to a power five school. I think at Rutgers, but not, right. Rutgers, no OC or not, not the same. Comparable, no. Um, and you've got a couple other guys that um move, transfer, leave, or whatever, and it's just due to seven thousand different reasons. And I, I, I think this is the, the first time it's a DC to DC, right? And and that's fair. But I guess the point is, like, we have, you know, we're in a position where we're we have guys that have become head coaches. Like, w- would you say, I mean, Juricic is the OC at Penn State now, if I'm correct. Um, would you say that Penn State to o- or OSU to, you know, his long winding road is a lateral move? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think I, it was a lateral move when, or I think it was almost even a, even a downgrade Backwards, when he moved yeah, from probably. being a, in a single OC to being a co-OC. Now, granted, Ohio State, you know, it's Knowles that's, that's moving to a blue blood. All of a sudden, there's, you know, I mean... um, But he also went old, to call plays Boston. with the head coach. <laughs> it's, <you> yeah. Know. <laughs> old, old boss of mine, who a huge Ohio State fan, texted me today about Jim Knowles because he's now an assistant coach, you know, there, right? Yeah. I'm going, yeah, props. You able to pay the guy more because you literally your stand seats double the amount of people ours does, basically. Yeah, right. Can't be mad about yeah. that. It's just how it kind of goes. And I know there's more that we want to expand and talk more about this. I know, like that the Venomous thing still yeah. has more, more left to be desired as far as like you know, it's going off on tangents or rants. But um, uh, maybe we come back with a part three TBD. We'll just probably have another podcast next week, to be honest, when I'm back home at my actual home in Oklahoma City. Um, we got to hit the baseball stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the baseball we'll stuff. Do, we'll do some baseball, for sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, we've all got I'd great points aside, to make on this. Yeah. Got to set aside two hours for the baseball stuff before Le- Alexi and I go rip some owner's <laughs> heads off. 
Definitely. Shout, no, I'll be ready. I'll be ready the, for that uh, one. Shout out to the um, Texas Arlington Dodgers. They really are just racking it up. There. Um, they got like a half the Rangers players play for the Dodgers. Anyways. Um, yeah, whatever. You guys all know that, but I'm getting burned too much that we don't want to. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to part two of the Cowboy Football Podcast. Please follow at the CJ Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more, and we'll catch you guys again soon. Peace. See ya. Later.